what my eternal destiny is, is pointing the message that I'm going to be giving this evening. And I have, boy, you talk about a, a tough nut to crack with respect to eternal security. I guess that was me after 37 and 38 years of Catholicism. Because that's a, that's a religion that if you want to be put on a guilt trip every day, it's legalistic. And that's exactly what they try to do, because there's only one way to do this, there's only one way to do that. I, I don't, can't pray to God to, for the forgiveness of my sins. I've got to go to the, the priest and the confession. All that changed when I started reading God's Word. And one of the biggest questions I had at that point in time is, well, it's in the Bible, why doesn't the church tell us this? So I asked the priest one day, I, I had some questions, and I said, Father, uh, if we have a question in the church, and we go ahead and we look at it, and we're kind of split 50-50, 50-50 on church tradition versus scripture. Where does the church go? And he said, we go to tradition. And I never did get a decent answer to why when the Bible says your tradition makes the word of God an effect, they use tradition, not the word of God. So one of the things that came to me is, is after I had studied and, and taught a session on the, the epistles of John, I was absolutely 100% convinced that there is eternal security. But I wondered, if, did Jesus ever teach that? And the answer to that question is yes. He taught it, but he taught it in the form of parables. We're going we're gonna to look tonight at... Uh, <laughs> at least it wasn't me for But at that point in time, did Jesus teach about eternal security? And yes, he did. And we're going to go over that one tonight. The other question is, I've always had a firm belief in my mind that God sets things up that if we initially decide not to go with Jesus Christ, he's already made provision for us to be reintroduced and reintroduced until we make decisions. And at that point in time, I saw that in the other passage we're going to look at tonight. So in the first one, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 13. And it's, uh, Jesus has had a very busy week at this point in time. We're coming up on the end of that. And now he's, he's teaching his disciples again. They're back from their missionary journey that they went on in chapter 10. And uh, Jesus has done his own missionary preaching journey, uh, as we find out in chapter 11. And he's had several preaching events since then, got the apostles back together. We're now getting ready to preach again. And he said the same day, and what day was that? Uh, that was the, after he has uh, gone ahead and uh, 
performed the, the feeding, uh, the feeding is a little later, I'm sorry. But the, the next day, the same, on the same day, Jesus went, went, let me start. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went forth to sow. And when he, would, he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowl came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much dirt earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But the other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let them hear. The apostles and the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given to you, unto you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. Wow. The Lord Jesus Christ is talking to his twelve apostles, including Judas, by the way, who never came and really understood uh, why Jesus was here. But they're coming and he's saying, it's up, you've been designated, you've been chosen. By you being here, by you learning of me, by you coming to me, by you putting your trust in me, you have become worthy to know what I'm talking about. They have been seeking out spiritual understanding. And that's what Jesus is giving them in the form of a parable. He's got, the reason he's talking about parables at this point in time is he's got Pharisees and Sadducees and the priests out there listening to what he's saying, trying to find something to trick him up. So he's talking in parables. It's kind of like in a secret language here. Those who are truly seeking out God, those who are truly interested in learning more about Jesus Christ, they are conditioning themselves and preparing themselves for Christ's word to come into their mind, through their ears, and into their heart, and to profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and thereby receive eternal life. At that point in time, the others, if, you're, if they're too lazy to hear, if they're not interested, in their lackadaisical, they're not going to understand. So, Jesus has said to them, and guess what? You're all disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Jesus has pointed out to you, he's picked you 
to receive this special knowledge that he is giving to other people so that you will be grounded and people will try to dissuade you, which happened to me for 38 years of, of my life as a Catholic, trying to dissuade me, saying, condemn to hell all the time. Put your check in the collection plate. That was my, that was my weekly insurance premium check. Went to church, put my money in the, you're good for a week. That's a lackadaisical way of putting it, but that's what it basically amounted to. You have term insurance policy. Yeah. And you, you put your, your uh, premium in the collection plate at night. But Jesus wants you to be in a position that you have that solidarity of thought uniting through the Holy Spirit with Him to be able to meet the Father without any repercussions because Jesus Christ has chosen you as His brother and sister. And when we look, they're going to look at the books when we get up there. But Jesus doesn't have to look too far. You are in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because you have chosen him as the only way to have eternal life. Amen. What he did on Calvary, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven. You believe in those. You hold on to those. You grasp on to those. You don't let go of those. And you have eternal security. John even tells us that you're going to stumble and fall. And Jesus tells us that in this parable too. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But you're going to stumble and fall. But he says, sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Humble yourself. Confess your sin. Turn from your evil way. And he is just and righteous to forgive you your sin. It's not a maybe proposition. It's not a perhaps proposition. He's made a commitment that every time you sin, you try not to, sin not. That's the standard of performance for us, is sin not. But if we do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, and he tells us how to do it. And it's the same message that he gave back in 2 Chronicles 7.14. When he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. In other words, be earnest. Pay attention. Get all distractions out of your way. And talk to him. And turn from your evil way. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive you sin, your sin. I will heal your land. I'll take care of your problem. What a promise. Because we have come to accept Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, as our Lord and Savior. He answered and said, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to, but to them it is not given. 
And we talked about that. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. What Jesus is talking about here is if you are truly seeking, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you're truly seeking what the path to heaven is, then you're going to want to be here. And what's going to happen is what you already have, you're going to get more of. You're going to get more confidence. You're going to get more assurance. You're going to get more grace. That you need in order to be able to get through that day. But if somebody isn't interested in coming to Jesus Christ, what they already have, you know, they came out of curiosity. Many of them maybe came there to be, you know, is he going to feed 5,000 again? Is he going to heal somebody again today? Curiosity. Well, they may even have that curiosity taken away and no longer have that interest. But as long as you maintain an interest in following what you're seeking after Jesus Christ, God will not let go of you, in my opinion, until you say no, or you walk away, or you don't take advantage of the plan that he has laid out for you to be able to come to him. So we go here and we look. I speak to them in parables because they see not and hearing they hear not neither do they understand and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of isaiah which saith by hearing ye shall hear and not by and not under, shall not understand and by seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive for this man's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have, uh, they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should any time uh, and understand with their heart, and should con con be converted, and I should heal them. He's talking about spiritual healing here. Not necessarily physical healing. Because this is all about learning about spiritual life and how to have it. So at this point in time, he's uh, those things which we hear and have not uh, heard him, heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the soul, which uh, one heareth and uh, he the word of the kingdom of and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, Satan, and catcheth it away. So in other words, the sower is doing his job. The soil has been, been prepared. So what we're seeing here is God in the creation did his job by virtue of the fact he made the soil to receive the spiritual message and that soil is us because we were made out of the dust of the earth. 
The Holy Ghost has done His job because the soil has been prepared to receive the seed, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So our job as sowers is to cast seed. The more seed we cast, the greater the probability of souls being saved, the greater probability of us uh, bringing our relatives in because they're seeing what we're doing, they may hear what we're, we're talking about, and they see us living in the life that we're talking about. So they're not only hearing the gospel, they're seeing the gospel. And at that point in time, hopefully, that ground is conditioned enough. The seed's good. It should bring forth fruit. But will it? There's one thing that's out of God's hands. He made us with free will. He can send the Spirit to condition our hearts and our minds to accept the gospel message. But whether we grab a hold of that and enjoy the shower of grace of the Holy Ghost to give us wisdom and understanding, there's no guarantee the seed's going to grow because of our free choice. But it doesn't dissuade the Lord. This is he which is received seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed in the stony places received seed by the, uh, the, the saying is he that heareth the word and anon with joy received it. Yet hath he not rooted himself but dureth for a while. Emotional conversion. Someone goes ahead, hears the gospel, thinks it's great, doesn't understand it, doesn't pursue it. Problems come along. And it's taken away. Because he heard the message, did nothing more about solidifying himself with the message of salvation. And when times got tough, and Jesus was not secretive. Jesus told us that there would be trials and tribulations. There's going to be tough times being a Christian. But those times are the times that we're supposed to grab a hold of Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, I love the saying, uh, if he brings you to it, he'll take you through it. Amen. Amen. I've seen that. Looking back on the events in my life, I can say that's a true statement. Absolutely. Because when I when I got out of the military, I was I went into sales, and then I went into truck driving. And in all the difficult times that I had, I could go ahead and see. I, then I got a, term, a job as the terminal manager of Warner's truck driving company's terminal here in Springfield. 
But in order to be there, I had to have certain experience. And I turned my life over to Jesus Christ to find out what I was supposed to do in order to feed my family. And I looked back and I saw, well, I couldn't have done this if I hadn't been there. I couldn't have gotten over here had I not been over there. Yeah, I, got, I had to take a real cut salary over here in order now to get to there. And then I had retirement time that was there and it was authorized. And it was getting difficult to climb in and out of trucks anymore with arthritis and that type of stuff. So I retired. I couldn't have gotten to where I am in retirement without going in the checkerboard pattern that Jesus Christ had set up for me and trusting Him. And this day, Mana and I are comfortable. We enjoy our retirement. That's one of the benefits God has given me because I was willing to, during the difficult times, hold on to Him. Listen to Him. Pray to Him. And I have seen His hand in my post-military life and everything that's happened. Because every time I went to another position, I had to have the experience of the position I just left. Warner Enterprises wouldn't hire a terminal manager unless he had a minimum of three years of road driving experience. Well, God put me in the cab of the truck for three years. I became a safety manager and then a terminal manager. God even fixed it. I was promoted to terminal manager in Denver. And uh, God, God fixed it to where there was a position in Springfield created for me to move from Denver back to Springfield and do the same thing in Springfield that I did in Denver, and that was turning the terminal administratively around. And they wanted me to do that again. But I wouldn't have been able to get back there if I hadn't been there. So my, you know, Bonnie and I put up with the separation for a little bit. But God fixed it to where I was able to come home on Christmas on the company's nickel. They paid for my coming back to Springfield, Ohio. God is good. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not going to say you go ahead and you, you, you take the job of, of a, a truck driver and you know you're going to end up somewhere. But I can honestly tell you that we have been all right financially, in every situation that we have found ourselves because we trust in God. So we go ahead here and he continued continue to uh, look down here. And he that received your seed into, okay, we went through that. Yet hath he not root himself, but dureth for a while, and when tribulation, persecution arises, because of the word, by and by he is offended, and also that received seed among the thorns is that heareth the word and the and care of the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and uh, he cometh becometh unfruitful. 
But he that received the seed, here's, here's where we have eternal security. Everybody else has not been fruitful. Everybody else has failed to produce for the Lord. They all received the same message. They all received the same seed. They all received the same opportunity. But it's only those whose seed fell in the ground and they were willing to listen to the words of Jesus Christ and come to him and accept him and what he did. And their productivity is some 60-fold, some 30-fold, some 100-fold. There's no guarantee to how much seed we're going to get. God isn't looking for us for a guaranteed yield. He's looking at us for a yield of obedience. Are we willing to do what he has called us to do? And our job is to spread seed. Don't worry about making it grow. You can't do that. Only God can make the seed grow. And in this particular situation with this parable, only you can make the decision to grow the seed. Because we have free choice. Well, what happens to the person who goes ahead and rejects the call? Well, there's another parable here that uh, in chapter 5. Chapter 5. Oh, I'm sorry. No, chapter, chapter 13. I'm sorry. Okay. And that starts at 37. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. No, I want to, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to go the wrong way. Jesus explains, well, here. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a... That's wrong, here we go. Sorry about this. Another parable put forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, not while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared all tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did thou not, did thou sow uh, good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto them, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and then, and bind them in bundles, and burn them all, burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. This is, well, he's talking to Jews, so they'll be able to understand uh, they don't have the gospel of the judgment seat of Jesus Christ at this point in time. So Jesus is giving some of them spiritual information based upon what they have learned all of their lives and practiced in their religion. 
And that is, there's going to be the great white throne judgment. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now we know there's an intermediate judgment. We go and stand before Jesus Christ, pointed unto one man once to die, and then the judgment. That's what we're, what we're going to face. Judgment seat of Jesus Christ. The rest will face the great white throne judgment to receive what they have earned by or forsaken by not following Jesus Christ. So what we have here is the story is the landowner is God. He's sowing the best seed. The best seed is the word of his only begotten son. The best seed is fertilized by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't get much stronger than that. But we get into that free will thing again as well uh, with respect to 30, 40, 60 folds, 30, 60, 100 fold. The tares are the trials, the weeds of the world. They're, they're, they're the people that come in and will have that emotional experience in church. They're the people that will come in and uh, like what they hear and try it out, for, take it for a test drive. Not commit themselves. They don't want to commit themselves. But do they go to church on Sunday? You know, you've got Christian terror. Do they go to church on Sunday? Yeah. So the balance is out. Do they act like a Christian? Most of the time. Kind of the balance is out. Have they held on to Jesus and the, the promise that he provides of eternal life through belief in him as God's only son and our redeemer? They never do that. But we go ahead and we have the wheat and the tares growing. Well, what's the significance between the wheat and the tares? They look exactly the same. But the pot on the tares being described is an empty pot. It's fruitless instead of fruitful. So at the end times, they're going to be easily identified and separated because the one that has the pod that's all shriveled up is going to be easily identifiable. And the one that has the kernels of barley or wheat or whatever it happens to be, then that's going to be evident too, and it's going to be put into the barns for later reaping. So what, what God is talking about here the harvesters of the angels sort of the reapers. So they're going to be going into eternal life. The tares are going into The key here is, yes, God is making a provision for every person who comes in and rejects the offer of salvation that day. 
How did you make that provision? By having the wheat and the tares in the same place. Hearing salvation messages preached every time they come to church. Give, being given the opportunity with an altar call every time they come to church. So the person stands before God, Jesus Christ, and gets sent to hell. Why? I, I went to church every Sunday. I put my check in the collection box every Sunday. I treated people okay when I was down there. But the one thing he didn't do was accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And by the way, the only way you can get to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And he has made that absolutely clear. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. The gospel is not difficult to understand. So God is making provision for anyone in here who last week failed to come forward, who was feeling the pulling of the Holy Spirit. That sometimes can be a real force in your life. That happened on the night I announced preaching. We were over in the other building. And, uh, and, the, and the service was Sunday night service. It was really, the spirit was really great. It was moving through the crowd. And then finally, I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the aisle, center line, center line and Pastor Eastup looks down at me and he says, yeah, Brother Chuck, you got something to say? And I said, yeah, I, I believe I've been called to preach. The Holy Spirit can move you, literally, in your life if you're willing to be led. If somebody on one Sunday fails to be led, he comes back and he continues to come back. And you can say, well, how can, how can the tear be changed to wheat? I don't know. I'm not God. But God made both. And if you want to go ahead and have the tear come down the aisle, and kneel down here and give his heart, soul, and life to Jesus Christ, it happens instantly at that point in time, and he now also has eternal life. And God has made that provision for him, even though he rejected him the first time. And I know God in the calls at least once, because in John 3, 16, 17, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Now if you have the whosoever will, you have to have the whosoever won't in order to differentiate. So God will, I, I believe, he'll repeat it. And I think that's the provision that we see in the, in the parable of the tares, is God's making that provision that if somebody failed to come forward, God's given them another opportunity. Maybe because we never promised tomorrow. 
That may have been his or her last document. Our job should be good seed throwers. Good soul. Go and tell is what Jesus told us to do. And that's what we need to do. And if we're doing that, then we're fulfilling what Jesus wants us to do. We're being obedient to his command. And we will receive a reward. I don't know what reward we're going to receive. But we're going to be re uh, receive a reward. And I know that we're going to be happy with it. We're going to be so happy we're going to cry because Scripture tells me that God wipes away every tear. And where are we when that happens? Heaven. Well, why would I cry? Because I'm looking at the face of my Lord and Savior and I can't believe somebody as magnificent and beautiful as he is today is willing to go to the cross and be brutalized. And when that comes home and hits our perfect minds, we will cry.